Hello and welcome back to the Into the Developers podcast. We've got an exciting interview episode for you today and it's mainly on storytelling. We're featuring Melanie Diesel. She's the founder of StoryFuel, a consulting service that equips marketers, creators, and business owners with the skills and strategies to tell better brand stories. She's been a lifelong storyteller, trained journalist and international speaker, and she's an expert on all things native advertising, content marketing, and influencing. Um, she's worked for a ton of different brands and a ton of different companies, so I can't really get into all of them, but some of them include Netflix's Orange is the New Black, uh, Time, Fortune, People Magazine, uh, it goes on and on. And so we're here today to learn a little bit about her mission to share the power of compelling and credible content. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. That was uh, that was quite the intro. Thanks for uh, yeah, making, lot, making me so. feel welcome. <laughs> you've done a ton. And I mean, just hearing that, intro and just like wow um it just before kind of diving into it i just have to ask you seeing the sheer depth and length of that list um which of your achievements are you personally most proud of Mm, that's a really good question and no one's ever asked me that i love that um (laughs) i think it's probably my book uh i Mm. just launched a book in february of this year and that's something I've dreamed of for a really long time as like a, a lifelong writer. Um, that was always my dream. And also it was like a lot of hard work to bring that thing into the world, like all the time spent working on it, you know, going through different versions and designs. Um, and, and then I went and launched it, you know, the week before the pandemic hit. And so <laughs> it's been, it's like been a major labor of love. And like, I'm, I'm so proud that it, it made its way out into the world and has been so well received. And, you know, the, the positive reviews, I mean, it just, it means the world to me that I, I was able to get it out and it's helping people, which is what I wanted. Love that. Yeah. I mean, every time I hear somebody talking about finally um finishing that like super laborious task of getting a book done it's just always like oh man i'm never writing again this is it i'm taking a break Uh, i don't know if you shared that sentiment but i mean it was super well received from what i see yeah i mean i i'm definitely gonna write another book i'm sure i will um because i think you know it was it's like you know when you're a runner if someone like if you do running you're like oh I'm gonna do a marathon sometime right Mm -hmm. and like it may be horrible and you may suffer and like cry and you know like be in pain throughout it but it's such a huge achievement and like you've proven to yourself that you can do something so incredible that now you feel like you could do anything so yeah you need to like rest and recover you know uh pack those carbs on like hydrate but you might be ready to do it again once you have some recovery time Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a perfect analogy. I'm actually a runner and <laughs> I totally feel you on that. Yeah. It's, so, it's wait, so have, you, once you... have you done a marathon or is that like, is I've that... done a half. I haven't okay. done a, a full marathon. I used to run across country. And yeah. So like mo- mo- they were like half in the 10 to 15 kilometer range. Yeah. But, yeah. but I guess that's what yeah. I mean is like people, you usually have like some big race, whatever that is, like a half or an Ironman, like there's all different kinds, right. Or a, a tough mm-hmm. mutter or something. Um, but yeah. like you, you want to do that big race and then you do it and you're like, Oh my God, I'm awesome. Like I did that. You know, you're so <laughs> proud of yourself because you worked so hard but then you're ready to suffer again soon (laughs) yeah for sure it it just goes to show that you know amongst all these big brand names it's the personal accolades that stand out the most it's pretty cool yeah Yeah, you know because i mean the awards and stuff are are nice and they're cool and it's awesome to have a bio that has things like that right but um Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i think most of us get into what it is that we want to do because of some personal mission drive, like, you know, you want to cure cancer, you want to uh, help make a certain process easier, you want, I mean, there's, there's something that drives you. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think for me, it really is about education, you know, and trying to trying to help people learn to be more confident in their in their own abilities to tell stories. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's why it's, it's been so rewarding for me. And those mm-hmm. are the best kinds of missions to pursue where you're empowering other people along the journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how about just to start? I mean, we gave you a bit of um, an intro, but how would you describe yourself, Melanie? Um, That's a I mean, I've described myself in many different ways at different points in my life. And I think if I'm being totally honest, this whole COVID thing has has forced me to ask a lot of questions about how I identify myself. Um, Yeah. So I mean, I've always identified as a speaker because that's the primary work that I do is going to conferences, giving keynotes, running workshops, uh, facilitating sessions at companies like Google. Like that's that's always been my primary work. 
but right now, like none of that is happening. So like, am I a speaker still if I'm not, you know, if I'm not on a stage or in front of an audience, you know, does putting on headphones and doing a webinar still feel like speaking or is that something else? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not, I'm not fully sure, you know, as far as identity goes, I know there's a lot of things that I, that I am. I mean, I'm an author. Um, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I, I love coffee. Like there's a lot of different things, you know, nice. uh, I'm a teacher. Like there's, there's a lot of different ways to identify, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm sure I'm not alone in kind of feeling like I don't, know what this covid version of myself is that okay i actually have a really good segue into that also personal note i'm huge into coffee so maybe we can get into that as well yeah. uh, your favorite roast <laughs> and beans and things like that um, but um you know kind of on that note and i've been thinking about this a lot because i do a lot of interviews and like i'm recruiting for new grad positions and i think one of the most important questions that you're always asked is the tell me about yourself right the, the beginning part that everyone kind of struggles with and so on the note of storytelling and sort of like um you know on that theme that you're you're obviously an expert in um, how do you craft that personal story? Like what are some tips you yeah. have for, for really crafting that personal story in that interview? So one thing that I would really recommend for your audience, especially is, is check out the book, Think, Do, Say by, uh, by Ron Tite. Mm -hmm. And uh, he really talks about how to align your, what you believe, that's your think, right? With your actions and then how you convey those to the world. So if you're feeling like that's something you really wanna work on, um, that book, it's, it's kind of meant for marketers. It talk, gives a lot of examples about companies, but I think it's really helpful for realizing that first you need to figure out what you stand for and what you believe. Uh, then you have to find a way to demonstrate that, like put your money where your mouth is, walk the walk, et cetera. And then that helps you figure out how to message it. So like for me, I say, you know, I believe everyone can be a storyteller. That's my fundamental belief. How do I put that belief into action? I find every way I can to teach people and reach people with that message to try to, you know, make that happen. And, you know, I share that by saying I help people tell better stories. Um, so, you know, if you can align those things, I think getting to that core of like what drives you, that is, a, is an easy way to, to really tell a lot about who you are. And that's something that really only you could do that kind of self-searching and figure out what motivates you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever watched the Start With Why TED Talk by Simon Sinek, but this yep. reminds me so much of that, like really starting at the core and then like, you know, expanding your bubble beyond that. That's really cool advice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, since we're talking about storytelling, why don't you tell us a story? How did you get into storytelling? Like, <laughs> I'm assuming you didn't grow up, you were like a four year old and you were like, I want to be a storyteller when I grow up or I want to get people into storytelling, I mean, right? Or maybe. I kind of was, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So um, my my mom, uh, you know, now that I have, a, I have a daughter, my mom is telling me all kinds of stories about when I was little. And uh, one of the things she was joking with me about is when I was little and I would do like arts and crafts, you know? I would always say, I'm going to make a book and I would fold paper and like, you know, you fold the, the wide paper in half and it becomes like a little booklet and I would fill it yeah. with stickers and drawings. And then I'd be like, mom, I need to read you my book. And of course, <laughs> like the writing was horrible. It was not real words, but I knew the story that I was trying to convey. And so my mom was saying like you pretty much since you could put crayon to paper like you've been know you know knowing that you like sharing stories with other people I don't think I was lucky enough to really make it my job until five years ago you know mm -hmm. I, I spent a lot of time in, in corporate you shared some of the the job roles that I had and I worked in storytelling I worked in content but about five years ago when I started my own shop when I when I founded story fuel and uh, we started doing our work on our own that was really when I got the freedom to like go to a conference and say whatever I want because I'm the boss. I don't have to sign an NDA with myself. I could decide what I want to share, you know? So that, that I think is really when it opened up for me is having the freedom to be able to, to share the stories that were most meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there any, so I'm reading The Alchemist right now. So I'm really wrapped up. Uh, I don't know if you guys have managed to have a chance to read it, but I'm really wrapped up in this idea of like personal legends, right? And there's certain stories that really resonate with people. And, you know, it's just it's similarly like you pick up a book, you listen to perhaps like one of your favorite speakers, just go off on a tangent about something and you just so deeply resonate with it that it just ends up altering the trajectory of your life. Like you understand something more about yourself or perhaps your place yeah. in the world. Are there any stories that have perhaps had that kind of impact on you? There is a spoken word poet named Anis Mojgani, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he has a piece called I Am Invincible. Uh, you could find it on YouTube. That piece 
is something that I found, I think when I was a senior in college and uh-huh. uh, I was having a hard time. Like I had a lot of things going on in my personal life that were really challenging for me that year. Big job. I was trying to find a job. I was applying to grad school. Like we've all been there in that, that cloudy sure. space. And that performance of him, you know, sharing that, that poem out loud is so powerful. And he talks about the fact that like, we are of the earth. Like we have all the power of the universe within us. And it's not woo woo. Like it's not Mm -hmm. trying to like, you know, talk you out of feelings. It just, it has a really nice way of putting things in perspective and reminding you that you have power and control and willpower and decisions. Like you you do have control over your life and you're, you're invincible in that way because you get to decide Mm -hmm. how you react. Um, And that for me is something I go back to it oftentimes in my head. And it's also very fun and playful. So like if you're in a bad place, you know, you're getting stuck in your head, you're, you're going down a, a train of thought that's not where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it has a really good way of, of breaking me out of that. That's awesome. Oh, I'm definitely going to check beautiful. that out. Yeah. 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 I'm a college senior right now. And so I'm kind of going through the same thing. So you've thing been where, there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I haven't been there yet. Hopefully I'll come out the other side and be able to <laughs> yeah. say I've been there. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely going through a lot of like, oh, should I do grad school? Where should I work? You know, yeah. trying to juggle like other things going on in my life right now. So it's, it's tough. It's tough for sure. So yeah. thank you for yeah. sharing that wisdom. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and one of the other things I'll just say is like, I can tell you so many times in my life looking back on it now where I thought those decisions were so, so important and everything that I did was going to change the course of my whole life. And Mm -hmm. to some degree, of course, that's right. But what I can tell you is that in retrospect, you will have made the right decision no matter what it is. Like Absolutely. you end up where you're supposed to be. You know, I remember applying for grad schools and you're know, applying for college. Even the first time mm-hmm. I got into my two reach schools, I ended up going to the state university um, because that was what I could afford. And at the time thinking like this ruined my whole life. Like I didn't go to get to get to go to the school I wanted to. And mm-hmm. some of my best friends of my entire life came from that college. You know, my love of journalism, my love of storytelling Mm -hmm. came from that college. My best friends to this day are people that were my roommates or that I never would have met if I hadn't gone there. Right. And so I think a lot of times in the moment we feel like this is the wrong decision. This is going to mess me up, but in, you will make that opportunity the right decision for you. And so if that relieves any of your stress, like I can find so many examples of that. Jobs I didn't get, you know, people I didn't date, you know, all, you will find all those examples uh, in your life. And, you know, you end up where you're supposed to be. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll make the right choices once you're there that make Definitely. it the right decision. Man, okay. on that note. Uh- Sorry, go ahead. Let me just yeah. jump in quick. Yeah, because I know yeah, you've yeah. seen it, Fouad. Melanie, I don't know if you've had a chance to um, listen to this, but Steve Jobs' Stanford commencement address. I, you know, it's been a long time, but I, I'm sure I've heard it because it's one of the iconic ones, right? Yeah. I, I went on a binge one time and watched like a lot of commencement addresses. <laughs> oh, no way. That sounds like it's such a good idea, especially with yeah. uh, online commencement happening right now. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Like his, Steve Jobs, and Neil Gaiman's Make Good Art. But Steve Jobs is especially uh, pertinent to what you're saying because his whole um, shtick is that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only look, connect them looking back. Right. So you just got to trust fate or God or whatever it is and just keep moving forward and trust that you'll end up wherever it is that you're supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, one of the things that helps me in the moment, if, if this is helpful too, is they try to say, you know, think about if this decision or this thing that's stressing you out, this whatever situation, is it going to matter in five weeks, mm-hmm. five months, or five years? And like that really helps you put in perspective. I'm stressing over what font to use on this like final paper. Like that's not going <laughs> to matter in five days. Like never mind five years. Like take a Absolutely. breath and let it go. You know, I, I find that helps me put a lot of things in perspective. For sure. Actually, okay, I'm going to shift this a little bit selfishly, but I'm actually deciding between cities to live in. So I'm deciding between yeah. San Francisco and New York City. And I know that uh, I'm not sure if you're looking in New York right now, but I know that the location for Storefield was set as like the greater New yeah. York City. So I'm assuming like you've, you've lived in the area, especially with the marketing work you've done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have any advice for choosing between the cities? Because that's one of the decisions I'm making right now where I'm like, oh, that could like determine the direction and trajectory of yeah. my life. But it's like, of course it I'm could. putting a lot of pressure on myself, but yeah, I don't know. So, so I guess what I'm, yes. So I, we used to live in New York and you're asking this question at a very, like, I don't know, opportune time because, um, three weeks into lockdown, my husband and I were, we were in New York city, right outside New York city. And we were like, this apartment is so freaking small. 
and so friggin' expensive and we can't go anywhere and we can't do anything and why do we live here like this is horrible we're out of here like we don't need to be here anymore yeah <laughs> and our decision was we were going to move to a city that better suited our lifestyle so instead of making the choice based on the glitz and glam of the city it was what do we want we want this kind of weather we want this kind of you know location we want to pay this much for rent and have that be actually affordable you know mm-hmm. we, we made a you know, access to the mountains, access to the beach. And we ended up in Raleigh, North Carolina. We have no family here. We have nobody that we know here. We got a place that we moved into without having seen it because pandemic. And it was absolutely the best decision. Was it crazy to pack up our life (laughs) and move across the country in a pandemic to a place where we know no one? Yeah, absolutely. But we've met so many people by networking. Again, like I said, you make it the right decision based on your actions once you decide. So (laughs) either place could be the right call for you. But it's probably better that you just pick one and then focus your attention on making it the right decision. So if you choose New York, you could spend the next three weeks setting up meetings with people in New York, connecting with people in New York, joining the New York associations and clubs that you're going to need to be in instead of spending the next three weeks going back and forth. Right. Yeah. 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 I think I don't want to say that it doesn't matter because of course it matters, right? There's logistics. You got to move there. You got to find an apartment, Mm -hmm. but I don't think there's a wrong decision. I really think make that choice, go with your gut, like flip a coin. And if you're disappointed, pick the other one. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just pick one. And then refocus that attention on how can I make this the best decision possible? Yeah, that's really good advice. And I just want to say, pause, like that was such a well-told story about your move. Like I can already tell like <laughs> that you have such an expertise in storytelling because I was in rapture from the beginning with like, the way you presented that story. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you so much for the it. advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm honestly probably just going to flip a coin and, and do what you said because I, yeah. I have like a coin flip app on my phone and I realized- Okay, wait, if you how ever about flip a coin, right now? Sorry. You have to move right to now? San Francisco. Right You're now, moving like, to San Francisco look, right now. How do you feel about it? I feel pretty good, honestly. Yeah? All right. Yeah, there you go. Gonna say. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you're, I just make a decision? No way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, my now, God. Yeah. Because now you're excited, and now you can refocus all that energy on, again, just make it the best decision possible. It That's yeah. really what's going to determine whether it's the right call or not. Not whether you picked A or B, but once you pick, did you put all the effort in to make it the right decision for you? So yeah. pick San Francisco, start looking wow. at apartments, like start <laughs> all the associations, start, you know, LinkedIn messaging people who can connect you out there. And the earlier Good. they started, the better, right? Yeah. That, wow. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I didn't expect to get this out of the episode, but I'm so but glad I did. here we go. We could call it yeah. a day now. We're good. No. <laughs> this is a podcast I got what I first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damien, I'm dropping off. You can finish the <laughs> he's, got, he's got apartments to look for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Sorry, Damien, continue. Yeah. No, it was, so it's interesting. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit before that, you know, you spent pretty much uh, the majority of your time industry faced. And uh, I did see that you had a pretty interesting side gig going on a little while back. You used to work as a prof at the Silberman College of Business, where you developed and delivered a master's course in content marketing. Yeah. Considering that your experience was more industry facing up until that point, did your experience in academia either reshape any of your beliefs or add to the way that you tell stories in any way? A hundred percent. So yeah, the, the, the school approached me and said, look, we need a course in content marketing um, and we don't have anyone in house who can build that. So I think what was really cool for me and, and the part of the reason I did it, because as anyone knows, teaching is not a field you go into for like fame, fortune and money. Yeah. Um, but they put me through a program to educate me about how to create curriculums. So I studied instructional design. I got to learn how you evaluate whether people have learned things. Uh, I got to learn how different types of activities test different kinds of knowledge. And all of that is, is really helpful, right? Whether I'm going to create an online course or do a workshop or, you know, just doing some coaching with somebody, like understanding the way you can evaluate that. And this happened to be an online course. So it makes my experience now like really helpful, right? Because we're all in a virtual world. That kind of thing, it, it didn't change what I was doing, but it was changing the way I was doing it, if that makes sense. It, it helped me see how I could apply those things to my everyday life. That if I'm trying to teach someone a skill, I have to remember what do I actually want them to learn? How can I teach it to them? And how can I evaluate whether they've learned it? Instead of just thinking about like, here's a lesson, good luck on the quiz. Like (laughs) really thinking critically about learning styles, you know? 
Yeah, man, as students, we've been there with, with the profs that are just like, here's a quiz, have fun. Yeah, exactly. yeah you definitely been a quiz this morning, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> I totally well, feel and, you on that. And quizzes, quizzes can be great. Like, I'm not hating on quizzes, but sometimes the learning, and you guys will probably have experienced this, right? In some classes, you have to do a project, and some mm -hmm. it's a presentation, mm -hmm. and some it's a written paper. Like, there's different ways to demonstrate your understanding of something. And mm -hmm. I think if you don't understand all those ways, sometimes you pick the wrong one. You're not testing it in the right way, and then you don't know if you've actually done your job. Uh, so you have to kind of understand the connection between those things. For sure. And kind of on that note, you know, with online learning and all that, it just makes me think, about well first off i think it's really interesting how academia you know obviously it's separate from industry but there's a lot of learnings you can take with you from college you know hopefully i take a lot but i guess we'll see when i start working but one of the questions i had for you was how has storytelling changed in this like you know post-covid world because you describe yeah. yourself as a speaker and i know that often the speakers have like a sixth sense about like how the audience feels and how to react to their audience yeah. i'm assuming you've experienced that as well and so like how has that changed now with yeah. webinars well uh, just to demystify it a little bit so that I'm not giving anybody, you know, uh, imposter syndrome over here or making it seem like I've got magical skills. Um, that like, you know, sixth sense is really just a combination of like experience and good research and connecting mm -hmm. the dots. So we're trying to find similar situations. So you probably saw a lot of people drawing connections to like the 2008 recession because that was something similar we could learn from drawing connections to the flu of 1918 or you know whatever that is like we're trying to we're trying to look on the experience we have so for me i was thinking i really tried to put in my head like what content are people gonna need in the coming months so i was trying to think about what's different about our lives what's different about everything and i i came up with a hunch I feel like we're going to need instructions for how to do a lot of things because the way we cook and shop and move throughout the world uh, and take care of ourselves and hire and, and buy things like it's all changing right now mm -hmm. and we don't know how to do it. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was kind of my hunch is that we're going to have to relearn how to do a lot of things, whether it's like cutting your roommate or your brother's hair or, you know, making a certain ingredient, you know, making a certain recipe when you can't get milk or whatever, like from the grocery store. And it turned out to be right. So, you know, I mentioned like data and experience. I looked through search trends and I saw that second week of March, we started to see people searching for words like instructions, how to DIY, you know, step-by-step step. people were looking for that kind of content. So, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I just tried to say like, now is the time to teach people something like ask yourself, what can I teach my audience right now? What can I teach my customers right now? What can mm -hmm. I teach my employees right now? And then create content that teaches them how to do that. You know, the good news is that it's also going to be really valuable in the long term. Someone might be trying to do that today, but someone else is going to do it next week, next month, next year, three years from now. So you get a lot of bang for your buck when you do that kind of like instructional content. It works for a long time. Wow. That's mm -hmm. so like, I, I love that you're, you're not just kind of following the puck, but you're skating to where the puck's going to be. Like, Trying. <laughs> yeah, that's remarkable. Um, I mean, we try, you know, we also make predictions that don't work out well. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. we're all, we're all learning. No one's done this before. No one's created a content strategy in a global pandemic. Like there's, there's no precedent for us to turn <laughs> to. So we're just yeah. doing our best and, and making decisions with the data we have, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, like mm -hmm. I said before, we try to make it the best decision. If I'm going to make that how-to content, we better make it good. We better promote it. We got to put mm -hmm. all of it into mm -hmm. it to make that the best call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love how scrappy everyone's being and that, I mean, that is yeah. like necessity is the mother of invention, right? So I've seen yeah. some very innovative ways that people are making use of this, uh, Pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Seen some seen some really, really cool stuff. One of my friends just made his own boat, which is like, like insane to me. What? Yeah, a boat. He made it was a canoe. It wasn't like a like a yacht or anything, but mm -hmm. he made a canoe and I was so impressed. He was like the type of guy who would never have built anything by himself. Yeah. And so yeah, super impressed. But anyways. I mean, that's fun, right? Side. Pick up a new hobby. But he probably needed some help on how to build a boat, right? Like he probably Definitely watched, watched a lot a of YouTube, YouTube videos. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So somebody's how to make a boat video came in handy yeah <laughs> that's what we're trying to do this podcast too hopefully you know there you help go. people build better thems um yeah. anyways continuing on damon did you have a question you wanted to follow up on or so melanie i hope you don't get too uh bashful when people start complimenting you because i want to oh, read gosh. something that someone <laughs> that someone wrote about you um so this is a quote from a uh, kevin tyler uh allegedly you have never met kevin tyler but <laughs> Uh, he says, I had the great pleasure of hearing Melanie speak at the 2019 Social Media Marketing World Conference in San Diego. 
I go to quite a few conferences every year and Melanie is one of the absolute best speakers I have ever seen slash heard, truly. To me, conference speakers are either high on personality and low on substance or vice versa. Not Melanie. She's got one of those personalities that make you feel like you're listening to your friend and not just any of your friends, but your smartest friend <laughs> who tricks you into learning while you're laughing. She doesn't make you feel dumb, but the, quite the contrary, actually. She has a way of making you feel smarter in the moment, as if just by virtue of being in the room with her, she somehow makes the time the most valuable time you've ever spent at a conference. So that's high praise. And I'm sure it's very apt, especially from the conversation we've had so far. You're incredibly charming and definitely a captivating Thanks. storyteller. But storyteller- I'm very red, if you yeah. can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that out. Don't worry. She's humble. She's humble, She's humble too. But storytelling, when it's you know, behind a screen, is one thing. You know, the, mm-hmm. the words are meticulously chosen, and you can kind of like edit it yeah. as you go. But to do that live in front of people and be able to not only capture their attention, but also their hearts, I'd yeah. like to think is a completely different ballgame. Yeah. But, you know, it's incredibly powerful and commanding when it's done right. So I was just wondering, like, what, what's your advice on people trying to cultivate that ability? Because I would love to be half the speaker that you are. <laughs> well, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I tried really hard to do when I decided I wanted to be a speaker is I treated it like a new job. Mm-hmm. So I talk to other speakers to ask them, you know, what books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? Who are the greats? Um, I mentioned that I had gone on a binge and watched all the commencement speakers. I mean, I looked up all these amazing speakers and tried to consume as much content as possible, but not just to consume it, to really analyze and say, why is this working? Why are they laughing right now? Why did someone just gasp? Like what works about mm-hmm. it, right? So I studied, I studied a lot. And I also invested in myself. Like I went to training, I worked with coaches, I worked, you know, I did boot camps. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I also got a lot of reps in, you know, I, I always share with people and, and I really believe in being radically transparent about these things because it's really easy to hear like that bio or, you know, that testimonial from Kevin and think that like, I'm some superhuman person with like magic talents. I'm not, like, I'm just a normal person. I don't believe you know? it. And, uh, and, you know, I'm a normal person who worked really hard, who went through training, who mm-hmm. hired a coach, you know, who got a lot of at-bats. I mean, my first year speaking, most of my gigs were free. I mean, I spoke with like 30 plus gigs and I didn't get paid for any of it because I was testing out content. I was mm-hmm. new. I was getting my reps in. And then over time, I increased my fee as I earned it, right? So, I mean, I think one of the one of the big things is you really, again, we talked about it before, you got to figure out your why, because working that hard, rehearsing that much, spending time on yourself, if you don't have a reason to do it, you're going to quit because it's not fun. Standing in a room talking to nobody and rehearsing your hour long talk multiple times in a row and like critiquing mm-hmm. yourself, like if you're an athlete and you have to watch your own tapes, like or when you guys are oh, editing man. and you have to listen to your own voice oh. on the podcast. Oh my God, like, horrible. The worst right? thing. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's what I do. Yeah. Like, that's my job. I watch myself give a talk and I cut myself apart and I do it again, you know? And so if you don't have a really clear why, if you're not doing it with purpose, uh, it's really easy to give up. So, you know, I, I was really passionate. Like I said, I want to teach people. I want, I mean, I want people like Kevin. I want him to walk in the room and feel smarter for being there and leave and feel more confident at his job. Like that's, that's an honor for me to get to do that kind of work, you know? So mm-hmm. if I want to do it well, then I need to hustle. I need to be like Kobe, you know, go into the gym at three in the morning and working out for two hours before other people show up to practice. I need to be, you know, the ballerina who does basic stretches for three hours before she even puts her shoes on you know like Mm -hmm. you got to do the little things like that the hard work um but yeah i mean on a practical level yeah watch watch the greats find great speakers really find your why and have original material to share and then practice like rehearse as much as you think you should and then do three times more work rehearsing Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. is the key absolutely and, and you, really, you get really better over advice. time, like any yeah. skill, right? You know, the first time you ride a bike or like play basketball, like you suck. So like the first time you speak, you, you probably suck, but that's okay. If you don't suck, Still you'll suck. never get better. Like <laughs> you have to do it bit by bit, right? So, you know, don't be afraid to suck. Just know it's going to happen and, and uh, you know, work hard to, to get past it. 
Yeah. I guess that's why yeah. the why is so important. Otherwise, like you're not yeah. going to be willing to put in the three times, 10 times X the no. amount of work that you want to actually no. be doing. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and get, awesome. get really good at PowerPoint because like you're probably going to need to use PowerPoint a bazillion times if you're going to be a speaker. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's something I've been trying to put off for a while. But uh, <laughs> I guess engineers do have to speak sometimes. So it's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, on that note, actually, that's an interesting segue. So I know you mentioned that you work with Google. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, was I interrupting you? Did you no, want to mention something? Go ahead. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so as an engineer, how does storytelling affect the world of technology? Yeah. I mean, storytelling is really something that we all do. I think it's kind of like, it's, it's a type of communication and you don't really realize you're doing it, but you already do it in your day-to-day life. You know, if somebody asks you how your day was, you don't respond with like 7.15 arose from bed, like 7.20 <laughs> brush teeth. Like you tell a story. You're like, I was on my way to work and I saw this crazy thing, like a llama ran across the road and the police were chasing it. Like you tell a story, even without even thinking, without even trying. So the key becomes really just understanding that, you know, you're telling stories in every part of your life, whether you're applying for a job, you're telling a story about yourself, like we said before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're telling a story about your project when you're pitching it to your, your colleagues, you know, you're telling a story to investors if you're pitching for, uh, for funding, right? Every part of your day, your life, like if you want to get serious, like your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with a partner in life, like it's all storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's all about communication. And so if you can learn to do that more effectively or just practice and get more comfortable doing it, it's going to be a skill that, uh, that you can use and, and use to your advantage, you know? That's really good advice. Yeah. I, I think I, I was having this talk on like a, a panel event that we did at school that was for like, you know, students returning from internship and like helping other students who are like looking for their first internship. And like one of the, key, the things I was asked was like, you know, how have transferable skills like influenced you know, your experience on the internship. And I think one thing that always stood out to me is that, yeah, you can be the best coder, but like at our level, you know, we're all college students and we all really haven't had jobs yet. So how good can you really be? And the (laughs) thing that always makes somebody stand out from like their internship process is, you know, their people skills, their communication, their ability to craft that story, not just like, you know, in the sense of like, oh, being collaborative with your team, but also like presenting your project at the end, you know, even if you did the exact same code as someone else, how you pitch it at the end matters so much and leaves a lasting impression, right? So that's, yeah. a, that's a really, really important point to mention, I think. But I think, I think hearing something like that, sometimes that can stress people out, right? Like this, how I present it, it matters so much. It's so scary. Like this is going to determine whether I get the job or the fellowship. Like, again, I think almost like bring it down a notch in terms of how serious it is. Like we talked about, mm-hmm. same with decisions, right? Um, if it makes you feel better, tell the story like you're telling it to one person. You know, this doesn't have to be, you know, I'm talking to you guys the same way I talk to my husband, like out in the other room, the same way I would present on stage. It's just Mm -hmm. authentic. It's just, you know, talk from the heart. Um, But I think, yeah, sometimes we build it up. It's like, well, I'm not a speaker. Like I'm not professional. I'm not good in front of crowds. Like you Mm kind of convince yourself to be bad at it, Uh, you know, and, just say, well, you're not bad at talking to your roommate. You're not bad at, you know, talking to your mom when she asked how your day was. Like, just be the same, you know? Um, I mean, maybe change your language a little bit. Like, you maybe <laughs> you want to at work with the same, like, level of profanity you talk to your roommate or, like, you yeah. know, play play Call of Duty. But, um, you know, you can you can pretty much just tap into who you are and how you talk and just present that way. I mean, I think – yeah, people people get nervous in those situations. Like, and, and there's not much reason to. You just you just have to practice, and you'll get better with time. And in the meantime, just try to be honest. You know. Yeah, practice is super mm-hmm. important. That I mean, like public speaking being the number one fear amongst pretty much so everybody silly. is. It's it's pretty daunting of some. But you know what? Like, see, I'm gonna debunk that. And this actually came from my coach, a guy named Michael Port uh, and Amy Port that I worked with uh, for speaker coaching. And they said people always say like their number one fear, even above death, is public speaking. Yeah. Let me ask you right now: if you had to choose <laughs> in public and dying, which one would you choose? Like, I'm... that's not real. <laughs> Nobody would rather die than speak in front of a group of people. I might just have Definitely. a heart attack while I'm up there. But we, I think we build it up too much. We make we it do. out to be this like big, scary boogeyman. And like, it's not that serious. Like it's, it's just having a conversation and you're good at that. Like I mm-hmm. said, you do it naturally. When mm-hmm. someone asks how your day was or for directions to something or what you thought of that show on Netflix, like you tell a story, you speak, yeah. you're good. You know how to do mm-hmm. it. 
Just go. Yeah. No, I think you make a good point. It's just that we build it up. We, it's it's something yeah. we're not really exposed to often, and because yeah. of that, every time it comes across, like we're kind of scared of it. But you know, taking advantage of organizations like Toastmasters um, or yeah. any other other like public speaking engagement type opportunities. Yeah. Um, you can yeah, like you said, you're gonna suck when you start, and it's gonna be yeah, that's okay. terrifying. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna yeah. get better eventually. We'll- it's an at bat. Yeah. It's in that bet, you know, and like not to be an annoying poster that's like probably on the hallway in your residence hall, but like you miss every shot you don't take, you know, like Absolutely. you have to, yeah, you have I, to try. You were going to say, <laughs> you have that poster in the hall. There you so. go. Right. So yeah, you just, yeah. you just got to try. And like, if I think we talked about like understanding your goals and like what you're trying to do and your why, mm-hmm. you know, if, if your goal in doing your presentation about your project is to be the best speaker on earth and like blow them away and you know get hired for a ted talk based on your code presentation like you're gonna be disappointed you know if your goal is i want them to understand why this project is important and how it can help our customers like that's way more achievable and you'll care a lot less about Mm -hmm. how you look and how you perform when you understand that speaking is about the audience it's not about you mm-hmm. right it's not mm-hmm. about how you look the audience doesn't care how you look or how you sound they care what they are going to learn or get out of it so mm-hmm. if you can mm-hmm. think of it that way like this is not a test of my abilities it's a test of how well can i explain this to them how well can i help them learn how well can i mm-hmm. convey the importance of this project or why i'm right for the job so think more yeah. about the audience than about you and it it becomes way easier just get out of your own head mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Perfect advice. Actually, that's kind of what we found, you know, with our own podcast in general, like our first few oh, conversations, man. and we're going to ask that you please do not scroll down to the first couple episodes <laughs> that we recorded because we still have them up, but they're definitely questionable compared to, you know, how we've grown over time and just had more yeah. times at bat. Right. And that's kind of how we like got started with speaking to other people too. Like me and Damien like decided we wouldn't do interviews for the first few just because we wanted to get comfortable speaking with each other, um, yeah. especially doing things online. And yeah, as you said, like practice has like really resulted in us getting hopefully a little bit better at, you know, not just connecting with new people, but like also speaking with ourselves. So my, on that my kind husband, of note, my husband's an entrepreneur and he always says, you know, if you, and I'm sure he may have picked this up from somewhere, but if, if you aren't embarrassed by your first start, you launch too late. Like mm, you, yeah. you got it. You got to start. Cause if you guys didn't do those early episodes, you wouldn't be here. Like mm-hmm. you would just yeah. be not having a podcast, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you got to start, just, just go for it. Just know it's going to happen and you'll get better with time. Let it be. <laughs> I, I actually really re- resonate that because I tried to start a podcast like two years prior to like us yeah. starting this one. And like the number one mistake we made was just being super perfectionist about it. Like we were like, oh, this episode's crap. We're not going to put it out. And so we did that like four oh. times and then we just, just ship never it. put anything out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, on that note, my devilishly handsome co-host and I are, you know, kind of building this brand f- from the ground up and along with it, kind of our personal brands as well. So what kind of advice do you have for people in our position, like starting up, um, you know, whether it be a podcast or a business or, you know, yeah. a YouTube channel, like their own kind of content going? So, I mean, I think a lot of the things we talked about already, you know, apply. Hopefully there's some some nuggets in there. But I think when it comes to content, if you're launching some sort of series or show or, you know, something, um, my recommendation is always to start small. Uh, and I know that might sound counterintuitive, but a lot of times we get super excited about an idea and we decide, okay, I'm going to make an Instagram page for it and a Facebook page for it. And it's going to have its own Twitter account. And, you know, I'm going to post on all those things every day. And what you do is you burn yourself out and you make it impossible for yourself to succeed. So, you know, focus on what you can do consistently well. What can you do consistently well? And if that's put out the episode and that's it, then that's it for now. When you can do that without even thinking, when it's not trouble anymore, then you expand, then you make a Twitter account. And when you can do that consistently well without it stressing you out, you move on to the next thing. So, so start realistic because, you know, again, if you're, if you're setting yourself up to fail, like why, why are you starting to begin with? You know, do, do what's realistic and just build from there. I know it, it's really tempting. I've, I've fallen victim to it too. Like, you know, I get super excited about an idea and, and dive in too hard and, and drown, you know, <laughs> uh, like, like you said, you know, your podcast from two years ago, like sometimes you start uh, and you bite off more than you can chew and, and that results in, in the project not coming to life. So better to start small and build uh, than try to start big and, and not get to put your project out. Yeah. That's excellent advice. Yeah. Damien and I tried to make a 
you know, we'll drop an episode weekly. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how good it is. Even if we feel like it could be way better if we drop it in three weeks, we're going to drop it every week and just see what happens. And and for some people, like, yeah, you might, maybe you want to blog every day, but like start blogging once a week and see how that feels and then do two a week and then do three a week. Because Mm -hmm, if you put pressure mm -hmm. on yourself to do something that's, that's too much, like, you're, you're going to burn out and quit and you don't want to do that. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, starting every other week, you know, you look at a podcast, like if you listen to entrepreneur on fire with John Lee Dumas, sorry, blanked on his name. I was thinking no. JLD, JLD, what does this stand for? Uh, <laughs> John Lee Dumas, you know, he puts out an episode every day, but like he didn't just start his podcast. He's been doing it for years, you know? So mm-hmm. I think sometimes we look at people like that or like a Gary V or, you know, some of these like big impressive people and we forget, They've got 40 people, you know, creating their graphics, doing their editing. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you are not that. So like, don't hold yourself to a standard of someone who has 40 people doing their production when you're just one human, like start, start what you can do consistently well, and then build mm-hmm. from there. Uh, I think this is a problem with every time somebody's trying to pick up a new habit, like this is probably the number one mistake people make is that they end up biting off more than they can chew when like, you know, just showing up should be your first priority. So rather yeah. than like just showing up half the battle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you, and you see that with like New Year's resolutions, right? Every year you're like, new year, new me. I'm quitting soda. No more sugar. I'm going to the gym every day. You make like 47 resolutions yeah. Yeah. that drastically change your entire life. And then you wonder why you can't keep it up. Like, why not just try one thing at a time? Like once you quit soda, then try to cut out coffee. Then once you quit coffee, like, you know, drop some meat. Like, I don't know, whatever your like, you know, various health things are, you know, just do it step by step and you're going to have a much better chance of success than trying mm-hmm. to like upend your whole life out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. It's all inertia, right? Like to start at the top of a mountain versus to start, you know, at the bottom and like work your way up. is like much easier. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Do you, I mean, like kind of on the note of uh, helping us build our brands, but yeah. I know you talk about journalism re- uh, relative to marketers and content creators, whatever, but do you think it's valuable that everybody just take a journalism course? I mean, I look, this is a totally Bias? different topic entirely. I'm okay. of course biased, yeah. um, but <laughs> I think everybody should, if not just for media literacy, mm. like, understanding certain things that you know many people don't realize that the editorial page or the opinion page and the news sections are different and the opinion section or editorial section is personal people's beliefs whereas news is researched you know and and reported and understanding that difference can really help your ability to be an informed citizen you know to make choices you know to understand other people's perspectives i think there's a lot of news and information out right now that isn't vetted, that isn't accurate, uh, that isn't fair, that isn't properly sourced or cited. And it's really easy to get lost in all of that and not know who to trust and, and make decisions that are important for your life based on information that somebody didn't check, you know, that it might not be accurate. So I think just for all of us from, you know, wanting to be media literate, wanting to use the tools available to you as effectively as possible, understanding at a basic level how the media works um, really helps with that. Uh, One thing that it will probably teach you is that the phrase, the media, means literally nothing because, like, we don't have an association. Uh, We don't have, like, a Slack channel of every reporter ever. Like, we're we're separate companies. We're separate entities. The same way you don't know every other podcaster. You couldn't possibly be colluding with every other podcaster. Right? Because, like, who knows? I mean, you might know a couple because you were friends, but, you know, there's not, like, a collusion of all podcasters. In the same way, there isn't of all reporters or journalists right Mm -hmm. so i think for media literacy it's important but yeah it will definitely also help uh depending on what kind of course you take help you tell your story better uh help you understand how to find different information that you know you may not know how to find otherwise it makes Mm -hmm. you very resourceful um yeah and and i think it also it it forces you to interview people and go out there and and tell stories on deadlines so those are useful skills depending on uh you know you get more comfortable talking to people interviewing asking questions you know and and working on deadlines Deadline is every job, you know, needs that. So I think it can be good training. And help you find the signal of real news and all the fake news noise that's out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did journalism kind of like your undergrad in journalism kind of spark that interest in you for storytelling? I I know you mentioned that you've had it since like you were a kid. Yeah. Um, But like, yeah, how did that undergrad like choice affect kind of like your experience further on? 
So um, if I'm being totally honest, I, I didn't start as a journalism major. Um, I started as an English major because I was in high school and that's the class I was best in, which probably happens to a lot of us. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll major in English then because I'm good at English. Like <laughs> that's just what I'll do. And I took a journalism class just as a general education requirement. And I was really into it. And I asked a lot of questions. And at the end of the semester, it was actually, it was my professor who was like, you're the wrong major kid like you belong in this building over here like go upstairs and change file your paperwork like you're not an english major like you you think you are but you're not <laughs> and so like that i mean that changed the course of my life i i don't know i could be like analyzing poems somewhere or something right now oh, like man. in solitude but instead you know i followed <laughs> that path and, and ended up doing what i do so yeah i mean and i think this this kind of comes back to what I was saying before. I remember at the time being very stressed about like, what major should I choose? Like, oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna transfer and like what if what if I don't like my new advisor? I was like really stressed out about this choice. But once I made the choice, I was able to just, you know, I joined the association. I started writing for the school newspaper and that led me to becoming the editor of the school newspaper. You know, like you, you just go all in and make it the right decision. So, mm. I mean, it, it definitely changed the trajectory of my life between his, uh, you know, might be stronger than a suggestion. His, his very strong suggestion that I needed to change my major and then just going all in and saying like, all right, I'm going to do this. Let's do this. Love that. I mean, so on the note of English and good, um, you got a new book out uh, titled <laughs> The Content Fuel Framework, How to Generate Unlimited Story Ideas. So that's something I've also personally struggled with. It's just like I want yeah. to get some words down on paper, but I have like no idea um, how to just kind of weave the words together, what I want to talk about. But yeah, just tell us a bit about your book and why you decided that a book was the most ideal medium to convey the story or message you wanted to tell. So I'm going to answer those questions in reverse, if that's okay. Okay, yeah, I think for sure. The reason that I wrote a book is because I, look, I know I'm very blessed and lucky to have the career that I do, to get to go do workshops and speak at conferences, but I also recognize that there's a lot of people who I thought could benefit from this information who couldn't afford a, you know, $2,000 conference ticket and a flight across the country. Um, you know, people who are students, nonprofits, small business owners, entrepreneurs, like this information is still valuable for them and could really help them, but they may not ever get a chance to be exposed to, to me and, and my talk somewhere. So I wanted to make it more accessible that honestly, I poured as much, like there's, there's no hiding anything in this book. Like mm -hmm. I gave all my best stuff flat out. You could learn it by picking up the 1495 book or coming to a very expensive workshop. Like it's right. the same because I wanted to democratize it. I didn't want it to be elite that like only, only people whose company was footing the bill for a conference mm -hmm. would get to learn how to feel more confident. So for sure. um, to that end, like I said, I, the, the, purpose of the book is to share a system that you can use to come up with ideas very quickly because I think a lot of people think they're not creative and my prompt for you is remember all the ways you thought of how things could go wrong you oh, are very that's creative a that's a you good come one. up with so many <laughs> unique and special <laughs> ways that everything's going to go wrong right so like your brain is good at this you just need a prompt and I think we don't realize that. So when we sit down and say like, we need podcast episode ideas, we need YouTube video ideas, we need, you know, blog ideas. We, we don't have enough guidance to really think critically. And we know this from, from schoolwork, right? If you don't have enough guidance, your brain is like your monkey brain kicks in and you pick the path of least resistance, the easiest, laziest route to like, just get this done. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is a way to give yourself prompts to say, okay, I'm going to create this kind of blog, this kind of YouTube video, this kind of podcast to really put you, you know, on a path where you're going to be able to think quickly because we know that if you get the right prompt, your brain will do the work for you. Um, so it's just a matter of, of adjusting your system so you get the right prompt. Uh, so that's really what the book what? is about. My promise is if you, if you read this book or, you know, get the audio book, which is coming out in a few weeks, you will have hundreds of ideas for whatever it is that you need to do. And you'll also have a system that you can use to come up with more ideas whenever you need them. Um, so I'm, I'm giving it all away in the book. Like I just, I just want people to learn. I want, I want them to, to feel more confident and uh, come up with more ideas than they thought possible. And I love that you have the that like workbook companion to it just to make it more yeah. actionable to give people fewer excuses to sit on their butt and like not yeah. actually pursue that. 
Yeah, well, a big part of it, too, is I wanted to put a lot of the exercises into the book. But mm -hmm. when you start looking at, am I really going to pay to print a blank page? Like, it just didn't make a lot of sense, right? Like, yeah. it's not a notebook. It's not a journal. So, like, people might not even want to write inside of a book. So, you know, yeah. we, we broke it out separate and you could have all those. Yeah, it's like a 70-page workbook, um, all prompts awesome. and fill in the blank and, like, exercises that coordinate with each chapter. So, it's like, you read the chapter and now you're going to do the work and, like, actually take action uh mm. if you're noticing a theme here like like actually put in the work and make it happen yeah okay. and just one more point before i let fuad take us to our favorite final question that we asked our guests um i just the way that you framed that really speaks volumes to me um in the way that we've recently started thinking more about um, like goals and outcomes as systems versus outcome based yeah and you know, like when you have the, so this perfectly speaks to how powerful systems-based uh, systems approach is, because if you just had that outcome in mind that I just want, I want to write one blog post a day, that's a, that's a very rigid outcome and you don't really have a strategy in place. And then you get stuck at that point, like, okay, I'm supposed to achieve this goal today. I have no idea how to get words on paper right now, but you know, through systematizing that approach and you're focusing more on like, okay, how can I put established steps I can put in every day to consistently get this outcome? You not only are able to achieve that singular outcome, but you open the door to achieve like many more potentially even greater things um, than you could have ever anticipated. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, the system is a big part of it. Like I said, I think so many of us were not taught how to come up with content ideas. It's not something that's like in a curriculum for sure. anywhere. For sure. And then we beat ourselves up for not knowing how, you know, mm -hmm. like that, that kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, if nobody taught you math, you wouldn't be like, man, I'm so bad at math, which I don't know what that is and have never <laughs> tried to do. So, you know, I, I think if you have a system, if you're, if you've got like tips and tricks on how to, how to go about it, it just becomes so much easier. So yeah, I mean, Absolutely. that, that's exactly what I was aiming for. Love cool. It. Awesome. Okay. Pivoting a little bit. Um, you were almost out of time and thank you so much for coming on, but we're going to ask yeah. our final question. It's, it's a little bit of a, a recurring theme on our interview episodes. And the question is, if you could put any one message on a billboard that would reach millions, billions of people, um, and you can choose who these people are, you know, whatever audience you want, yeah. um, or you can just keep it general. What message would you put on it and why? The world needs your story. Go out and tell it. Oh, mic drop. She was oh, ready so with quick. it. She was Zero ready with it. Yeah. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't know that question was coming, but when you asked it, I was like, oh, I know. Because it's like, that's, I think, it, again, it's like my core belief, right? Mm. Like, the world needs your story. Go out there and tell it. Like, this is what drives all that I do. And so I think coming back to that, like, your sense of purpose or what, what you're passionate about, what you want to achieve, um, mm -hmm. you know, come back to that all the time. All your actions, all the things that you do, are they aligned with that purpose? Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. I love that. And I just love that. Like, it just speaks to how resonant this is with the, your soul, that you're so equipped with this, like no hesitation. Yeah. Even though you've never heard the question before. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. I'm so shook. But <laughs> thank you so much, Melanie, for your time today. Um, it's been a riveting conversation, very engaging. And hopefully there's a ton of gems that our audience can take out of this. And for all you techies out there this is hopefully the power of storytelling really resonates with you now and you can go out and speak your message to the world as well okay. yeah thank you again so much for coming on and uh, you will definitely plug your book and and your socials in the, in the description of the episode because we want to make yeah. this valuable for you as well so yeah. uh, what would be the best place for people to find you melanie uh, so you can find me at storyfuel.co. So it's storyfuel.co. Yep. Uh, that's where you'll find information about the book. You'll find, you know, how to contact me on different social platforms, if that's your thing. Uh, coaching, consulting, all that stuff. So storyfuel.co. And we'll plug in the description. Awesome. All right, Fouad, yeah, Melanie, good. thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks hey. for letting me share my story. Ciao. Yeah, definitely.